Welcome to Motley Metal. I am your host and master of ceremonies, Chris Rex. I hope you all enjoyed the first episode because today we kick it up a notch. Here on Motley Metal, we're always scouring the earth for bands that deserve to be heard. And later on during this broadcast, we will hear from lead vocalist of Vertebraker, Jack Connor. So stay tuned. Now, I'm going to start this show off with some new music from Breaking Benjamin and Diamante. And it's a cover of Goo Goo Dolls, Iris. And I'd give up forever to touch you Cause I know that you feel me somehow You're the closest to heaven
I am your host, Chris Rex, and you are listening to Motley Metal, and I've got some metal news for you. You remember that band, Trap? They've been in some controversy lately over Twitter, arguing with Ice-T and Dan Diablo, and it seems this was all just to kind of build publicity towards their new album. And the new album it was released, and in its first week, it sold... 600 copies. That's right, just 600 copies. Uh, there's really not much to say about that. They started this whole publicity stunt, I guess, to try to gain attention towards themselves, and it did not work out. Fozzie Save the World Tour has been pushed back yet again. Fozzie announced on Instagram, Due to the news of the world, Fozzie are choosing to push back our Save the World Tour yet again. Hopefully rock shows will be allowed and safe in October November. Frontman Chris Jericho says, Just know that we have been in intense discussions with all of the local promoters involved, and we promise these shows will be following all health and safety guidelines established by each governing municipality. And we are strongly encouraging everybody to wear a mask. I personally want to make them mandatory, but I'm not a state governor. Having said all that, we can't wait to rock with you all again safely. Go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket and VIP info. If you already bought tickets for any of the shows, they are still valid. The tour was scheduled to start on October 3rd in Texas. Mastodon is currently working on a new album, and according to guitarist Bill Keller, it is not going to be a repeat of Emperor of Sand or even like anything they've done before. So we'll be on the lookout for that new album. They also recorded a song for the upcoming Bill and Ted movie. That's my metal news for this week. Up next we have Metallica with Seek and Destroy.
soul on the inside You are innocence personified And I will drag you down and sell you out Run away I am cold like December snow I want to use Motley Metal as a platform to get more ears on some bands that aren't in the spotlight, but should definitely be heard. 
One of those bands is Vertebreaker. Formed in Orlando, Florida during the summer of 2013, this hard rock band has been dubbed one of Florida's best bands by Unrated Magazine. They've shared the stage with Steel Panther, Saliva, Blackfoot, Saving Abel, Blacklight District, and Shinedown's original guitarist, Jason Todd. This week, I have lead vocalist Jack Connor on the show. For those that don't know, I'm a professional wrestler, and it was through wrestling that I came in contact with Jack. Not only is Jack a musician, but he is a correspondent for Florida-based wrestling promotion Generation Championship Wrestling, where I was a producer of their weekly program for Nothing Else On TV. First off, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to chat with me. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me on the show, and uh, thanks for uh, giving me a chance to, to promote my band. Uh, as I understand, I know you have a lot of listeners from all over the world, so I really appreciate it. No problem, man. Like I said, I want to put some spotlight on some bands that that I definitely feel in my heart should, should be heard more. And if it helps get you guys a little bit more spotlight, then so be it. Thank you, bro. That means the world to me. My first question is, did you grow up in Florida? No, I, I'm actually from uh, Pennsylvania. I was born about just about 20 minutes outside of Philadelphia. I, I moved down to Florida when I was 15, uh, just starting high school. And uh, you know, I've lived there ever since. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely I, I was definitely born and raised in the Northeast. Uh, I know you're a New York guy, so you know, I wasn't too far from you, you know, being down in Philly. But um, but yeah, so I mean, I've, I've definitely kind of have uh, the best of both worlds, having lived most of my life in Florida, but still still having ties to, to Philly and, and the Northeast as well. Yeah, I lived in Florida for about uh, two years uh, during between on and off between New York and Florida from 13 uh, to 15. So it, it was definitely um, a different lifestyle down there when you're used to the city, you know? It is a little bit. And Florida's unique like that. It, it's such a unique place and you know, sometimes a little misunderstood, I think, uh, from the rest of the country because it's not really it's not really the South and it's not really the North or the Midwest. It's just kind of all these people from all over the country just sort of converge into one place. And that's, you know, that, and sometimes that's why you hear some crazy news stories from here, but, uh, you know, it's just a, just a lot of different people, uh, living in one area and, uh, and it's really hot and there, the beaches are nice. (laughs) Well, that's definitely somewhere I definitely want to, uh, at least, you know, rest that, you know, when I'm, when I'm retired and I'm ready to go settle down. Plus, it's not as expensive as California. So well, that was going to be my next option, California. <laughs> uh, what What were some of your musical influences growing up? Oh boy, I um, well, I think um, I think for me it started when I was eleven, and my aunt got me my first Beatles tape. I, I know I'm dating myself, uh, a cassette tape, but um, yeah, I mean everything from the Beatles to the Stones, all the way through uh, through the late '60s and '70s, '80s, early uh 80s 90s um you know pretty much everything when it comes to rock and roll specifically hard rock um kiss was was huge to me uh kiss really you know turned me on to like hard rock and and heavy metal as i understood it and then from there it was queen metallica rush journey acdc um everything down from death leopard to motley Crue. um Let's see to Metallica. To, uh, I, no, I mentioned Metallica already, but I mean to like their '90s stuff. But uh, Skid Row, um, you know, Creed, Seven Dust, Disturbed, Alter Bridge, um, to Avenge Sevenfold, and um, 
Yeah, just just everything. So you know, just an, an eclectic mix of all hard rock and classic metal bands. Pretty much, and people say like, "Wow, you listen to hard rock exclusively," and 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 well, I mean, I wouldn't say that exclusively, but I'm like, you know, people forget there's a lot of diversity within rock and roll. Rock and roll encompasses a lot of different sounds. Yeah, it, it does, and you even like even when you get to uh, new metal, they start incorporating the hip hop into it. So it really it, it's. Something that like you can say, oh, it's metal, but it's more than just metal. It's more than just hard rock. You know, you're you're gonna hear different a uh, different sound with each band. Absolutely, and and certainly when like the new metal thing came out, I didn't really, I didn't really like it as much because I thought there was just too much rap. But certainly as I got older, I started to appreciate it a little bit more. Even even though it's technically out of fashion, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a singer, so like I, I'm I'm not really about to get up there and start rapping or start like you know death. <laughs> you know sort of doing the death metal screams which kind of everybody does now but i mean you know it it is what it is everyone kind of brings their own uh, their own flavor to it and that's the beauty of it 100% now vertebraker was formed in the summer of 2013 tell us how that came about well um uh, i at that point i had moved to melbourne florida uh, which is on the east coast uh, in brevard county uh they call it the space coast cuz that's near uh, where cape canaveral is and um and so it's been called the Space Coast for a while. And I moved out there uh, for, for a day job. I didn't know anyone in town. I had played in bands for years before that in uh, Tampa and St. Pete, uh, where I lived for years and years before I headed out there. And um, basically, I, I, I knew that there were musicians out there. And it just it took me almost a year to kind of put together the band that I wanted to make. And it was like really the first time as a singer that I was able to do that to start a band from scratch. Before that, I had, I would usually uh, join other bands either as a singer or as a bass player that were already established. So it was my first band that I really was able to put uh, together from the ground up. And um, you know, it, it took a few different guys. You know, some you know some stayed, some didn't, but. Uh, Really, Vertebraker, as it came to be, sort of started in 2013, and we were off and running. A hundred percent agreeable, because a lot of uh, uh, musicians um, and bands, it's kind of like, as you would know now, pro wrestling, you know, it's entertainment. So it's kind of like the same starts of, okay, uh, some people, they they want, like, look at the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes, right? They were in sure. other people's companies and other people. And then now they have this chance to create create this band, so to say, of, sure. the, of their own, you know, and this whole brand of their own. And it's so much different when you're working for someone or working on someone else's business rather sure. than putting putting the, your heart in, into your own, you know? Absolutely. And I, I think uh, I think it was John Moxley who, who actually said in an interview, he's like, I'm getting to play the music I want to play and sing the songs I want to sing. So that's that's kind of how I approached it. And, and, and not that I ever wanted the band to be all about me necessarily, but I, you know, I wanted to put together, I, I mean, there was certainly a, a sound I was going for and I wanted to surround myself with guys who were like-minded and, um, and, you know, and, and to be honest, Chris, you know, from 2014 to 2019, it was, uh, we had a pretty static lineup for, for a majority of it. It's been sort of the same five guys right up until uh, the beginning of 2019 where, um, you know, just guys started to fall apart, uh, not fall apart, I should say. Was, guys started to kind of leave and go and do their own things. And 
for all their own different reasons. And, and look, I love all those guys. I, I'm really appreciative for the time I had with them, but I was at a point where, you know, well, do I start something else? Do I call it something else? Or could I possibly keep the name and keep some of the songs, but maybe start some, start it over with some new guys. And that was one of the things I kind of went back and forth. And sometimes I still kind of go back and forth with it a little bit, but I managed to find some new guys and, uh, and we had just started to play some shows earlier this year, uh, you know, with the new lineup right before COVID hit. So, I mean, it, it, it's been, it's definitely been a process. It's definitely had some ups and downs, but I feel like we were just kind of getting back out there, uh, you know, before this, this whole thing happened. So I, but I mean, I feel like, I, I feel like we're in a good place and I still talk with the guys in, in the band now. And, um, and hopefully once this thing kind of calmed down a bit, uh, calms down a bit, whenever that may be, we can get back out there and, and do, and, and sort of rebuild what we had started. Oh man, I would love to uh, hear about you guys doing more shows and definitely uh, some more music. Now, I know Vertebraker, and maybe some of my uh, listeners know Vertebraker as one of the most dangerous holes in professional wrestling. Is that yes. what actually influenced the band's name? Hundred percent, it was. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> you know, again, and none of the guys in the original band, none of them knew anything about wrestling. But, but like, we were trying to think of uh, just names right in the, in 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 the beginning, and I was thinking about just stuff from movies or wrestling or like other stuff outside of music that I enjoyed and tried to do a, do like a Google search. I'm like, okay. And, you know, Vertebraker came into my mind from Shane Helms from WCW, yeah. you know, before he was the hurricane and he would do that. And I just thought that was a really cool sounding move. I mean, it, it was kind of a long word and sometimes people spelled it a little bit wrong, but I figure like it kind of rolls off the tongue, has a cool little double meaning there. And when I suggested it to the guys, they liked it and it stuck. And I found out that there weren't other, any other bands called that, uh, called Vertebraker that I was aware of that I could find. So I figured we'd, we'd get, we went for it. And, uh, I actually tweeted Shane Helms a couple of years ago and he thought it was cool. So, oh, that, that's awesome. <laughs> um, I, I, I did all, I did also meet Chris Jericho one time at a, uh, at a, at an autograph signing and he says that he came up with the name for it but uh i mean you know but obviously he was cool with my band using it because i would give him my cds and stuff so you know that's awesome when you kind of get like the creators of the you know of it saying you know right. yeah it's, it's cool i go ahead do your music thing you know and even yeah. the name vertebraker it's kind of got that kick-ass like metal hard rock name to it like vertebraker like right it's it's just I, badass I, 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 almost, I almost worry that we're not heavy enough for that name <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost think people are going to expect something like Cannibal Corpse or something when they hear that, and that's not us <laughs> at all. So, I mean, no, no disrespect to those guys, but, you know, it's just uh, I didn't want to create any false advertising. But it just sounded like such a cool name. I figured I, I – uh, and it just stuck. Why not and, use uh, it, right? That's what we What were some of the uh, influences of Vertebraker Sound? Oh, man, just like – kind of like I had mentioned. Um, you know, I think – you know, to, to get a hard rock band that has melodic vocals and guitar solos and, you know, emphasis on songwriting still, but still with some musicianship in there, even though we're not necessarily a prog band, I, I, I thought that there just weren't really a lot of people doing that at the time. And there, I feel like there still aren't a lot of people doing that. And, 
it wasn't necessarily trying to recreate the past necessarily with like 70s and 80s and, and early 90s stuff. But I mean, those influences are certainly in there. But I, I, I wanted to create like just, you know, a band that sort of had everything in there and that that didn't really have any limits. Like a lot of the bands that I love, like Queen, for example, they just kind of did whatever they wanted, but within a rock context. And that was really, uh, that's always been sort of where my head's been at with this. From the, the self-titled EP you sent me, which is available on Apple Music, Spotify, and wherever else you may listen to music, uh, to me, uh, from, what I, from what I listen to, you, you guys have, have like a mixture of uh, Foo Fighters, Saliva, Fozzy, uh, I was about to say Falazi, Fozzy, um, you know, I kind of get a vibe of that between uh, the the four songs that you sent me absolutely i mean uh, th those are three amazing bands so yeah I i'm absolutely thrilled to be compared to, to bands like that i mean definitely avenge sevenfold has been a big influence of mine over the years and um you know alter bridge you know all, all those guys so it's yeah it's i mean fozzy's amazing so <laughs> <laughs> when was that ep recorded and uh, was that the first time you were in the studio together yeah, well, we we had done one other single before that, a song called "Backstabber," which uh, was a good song, but I I didn't really like how the how the vocal mix came out, and and it's a shame because I I think it's a good song. I just don't really I still don't really like how that record came, turned out, and it was wasn't anyone's fault. It was just you know maybe maybe we could have tweaked it a little bit more, but um, yeah, the 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 twenty fourteen record, the self titled thing, that was done in uh, in february of 2014 by uh, it was produced by brett hesla now brett hesla for those of you who don't know um was in a band called virgos merlot in the late 90s early 2000s and he was also the touring bass player for creed after uh after brian marshall left the band and he was with them right at the peak of their success during the the human clay tour and the weathered era of uh, of creed so i mean and and that was when they were the hottest thing going so talk about a guy who has like, you know, incredible road stories. And he also later went on to sing for a band called Dark New Day. But he's been a producer for years. Uh, for years, he lived in Orlando. Now he lives in Nashville. But we ended up recording with Brett. Uh, we ended up tracking everything in about a week and uh, doing those four songs. And he was he was just an awesome guy to work with. Like uh, certainly vocally, I was a big fan of his and he really brought out what I thought was a really great performance, uh, you know, from, from my end and, uh, and everybody sounded great on, on the record. So that, I'm, I'm still very proud of how that turned out. You know, it's not, uh, you know, very common that you get to work with, with, well, what I guess we say legends, you know, or someone that actually yeah. knows what they're talking about and has been there, lived it, done it, and can actually pass on the knowledge. A lot of times you hear in, in all types of entertainment industry where it's, some guy that knew some guy that knew some guy, so he learned from that guy, now he's teaching you, you know, rather than you were legit there in the studio with a guy that toured with Creed that, that can actually sit there and say, no, I, I'm no BS, this, this is what I'm telling you, this is what's going to work. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I remember picking up, like, one of his basses that, like, you know, he played with on tour, and I, I started, like, doing, like, the bass part from My Sacrifice on there just because it's like... <laughs> Cause it's like, man, like he probably played this on tour with them, like with this bass. That's crazy. So, and I just, I'm a huge Creed fan. So I had a million questions that I was asking him and he was telling all kinds of 
re- very revealing stories. Some that I, I'm not, I'm not going to go into here just because he told me those in confidence. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty wild. That that's amazing. That's what that's really kind of what these moments are for. Like even as a wrestler, when I meet meet some of the guys I watch on TV and I can sit there and actually talk to them, and it's like wow, like five year old me is marking out right now like there's the kid inside of me is like tell him you love him tell him you used to watch him on tv like you know it's it's amazing and then you kind of live you go through your life and you have these moments that you can share with your kids and your grandchildren and, and your family members like this this was the life i lived you know absolutely i mean you know more than just being a guy who plays in bands like i'm a big music fan so, I mean, it's just it's really cool for me to to just kind of hear sit under the learning tree of some of these guys and uh, and do that. I feel like I, I feel like especially in wrestling, there's definitely a culture of listening to the veterans and and respecting them, which I, I wish that was a little bit more the case in, in music, especially in, in rock music. There doesn't really seem to be a big sense of community right now. Um, and, and I wish that that weren't the, I wish that that was more of the case. What were some of your best memories performing live throughout the years? Oh, performing live. Um, there, there was one show that we did. Uh, it, it, it was in Orlando. It was called the Teen Summer Kickoff. Now, uh, now what that was, and, and you know, we were looking around for different show opportunities. I found this posting. Didn't even think that they'd take a band like ours in there, but... Basically, this was a show that they um, that this um, this organization was setting up for um, specifically for teenagers, for like kids ages like 13 to 17. And it was set up after hours in the Orlando Public Library. And there and there and there was a DJ there and it was like it must have been in like May or June because it was the teen summer kickoff. And I was just like sending my stuff in there. I'm like, look. I don't know if you'd want a band like ours. I don't know if, you know, these kids would be interested in, in listening to a band, uh, to, you know, a, a band like ours or seeing a bunch of old guys like us up on stage. But, um, but yeah, they ended up booking us and we played. And the thing about like, you know, playing to kids that age, like, you know, that if, if, if they, if they don't like you, like they're not going to be nice about it. But if they do like you, they're going to scream and dance and do all this stuff. And they ended up loving what we did. And it was really cool just to like see these kids just go crazy. And even even like um, even like the parents would kind of like poke their heads in like, oh, what's going on here? So and they would like ask for like pictures and autographs and stuff. And it was just like, man, this is really cool. Like just just last week we were playing in like a bar in front of in front of like, you know, 50 and 60 year olds. (laughs) So it's like it, to to kind of get that feeling like we cast that wide of a net was just such a cool feeling. You got you but, guys I mean, were over, man. <laughs> I know we got over, and and, um, and and probably the and the biggest show I've ever done in my life was in 2017, where we got to open for Steel Panther. Oh, and, nice! And that was that was done in um, at the Plaza in Orlando, which is like is about. Uh, it, it was a pretty good sized theater. I, I I don't know how many uh, how many seats in there, but it seemed. But you could probably pack like a thousand people in there, and uh, and we and the place was packed, and we got to open for Steel Panther after just getting the call, like less than a week before, and and thankfully it was uh you know from my friend Super Dave, who's a DJ uh, down here at WJRR, the rock station in Orlando, 
Um, and shout out to those guys for playing us on on, uh, on their Sunday night show and called Native Noise. But that was how we got that, and and that was incredible getting to meet the guys from Steel Panther and talking to them. And those guys were just so incredibly nice to us, and they were like, and they were surprised when we were just telling them like, "Yo, we're just we're just regular guys. Like we have day jobs and everything, but like, <laughs> like we're not, like we're not pro- professionals here. We're we're just trying to make a name for ourselves." And they thought that was amazing. Wow, that that is a pretty amazing story, man. Oh, Steel Panther, I remember hearing them for the first time when I was like 17 years old, and I was like, what is this? It's the most outrageous <laughs> stuff I've ever heard. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I didn't think they were really as popular as they did until I started like Googling them, and I was like, wow, they, they're like, they sell out arenas and stuff. Like, come on. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, obviously, look, their, their lyrics are what they are. It's not everyone's cup of tea in terms of humor. But like those guys are incredible musicians. But but like I, I was I was telling them a funny story backstage about how like I was texting my mom and dad about like, hey, you know, I've got, you know, I, you know, my band just got asked to open for this for Steel Panther. They're a famous band. And my mom was like, oh, can, oh, can I listen to the, some of their stuff? And I'm like, <laughs> Um, no, <laughs> just, just no, but just trust me, they're famous. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, played, uh, I played a bit of Steel Panther on the uh, the original Motley, uh, Motley Mondays. Um, they definitely fit the, the glam rock. I think that's what I love most about them is they have that glam rock look to, to them, and I've always been uh, attracted to that, you know, that glam rock, uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think more than that, Chris. I, I feel like, um, and, and I don't have anything anything against the grunge era. I think there are a lot, there's a lot of great music that came out of that era too. But I feel like rock and roll, especially in America, has sort of lost that sense of entertainment and fun. And, and for some reason, maybe that's part of a larger cultural shift. I don't know, but I feel like rock music in America, or at least the way it's marketed, hasn't fully recovered yet from what not, maybe not just grunge but the way grunge was marketed in the industry i feel like it still hasn't fully recovered in america like that in terms of being mainstream accepted a hundred percent and i think it is due to kind of also some of the harder bands and i'm not putting blame on it i i love all types of heavy metal and rock music even the screamo music um sure. but it's kind of like where, where when you have a band like Motley Crue, Steel Panther, you have these 80s bands, like even going back to the 70s with uh, Bowie and Kiss, they put on oh, yeah. shows, they put on performances, it was the makeup, it was the outfits, the pyro, they made you feel like each show you had to be at was a spectacle, it wasn't the same show every time. They can be playing Madison Square Garden one week and they go to Boston Garden and it's a completely different show, they, uh, the live tracks are never going to be sung or played the same way. So really yeah. that, that it's um, entertainment, yes, that, entertainment that whole spectacle. Aspect. Rob Zombie is definitely one of those guys, uh, you know, who, who kind of, you know, who, who kind of has flown that flag a little bit and, you know, Manson to a degree. But, uh, you know, one band that I that I like a lot, um, especially one band from the last 10 years to, to have really broken out is Black Veil Brides. Like, I think they're fantastic. Um, I really, um, you know, and it's a shame. I feel like they almost take a lot of heat from their critics you know, because of, um, you know, because of the stuff that they used to wear and they don't really do it as much lately, but, um, yeah, I, I always thought that they were a great band and thought that they had a really unique sort of original take on it. Yeah. I've heard some of, uh, Black Veil Brides. I wouldn't say, 
enough to say, yeah, I'm a huge Black Veil Brides fan. But I've heard, yeah. um, I've heard of some some of their tracks. Um, actually, Motley Crue has put them over. So I kind of kind of go the route if Motley Crue is you know cool with them and he's put and they're putting them over and Nikki Six is putting For them sure. over. Let me go take a listen. And I okay. noticed over the over the past few weeks, even uh, really since the summer hit, a lot of what we would say old school bands have been putting out new music. Uh, Metallica just released uh, Black in 2020 and a new song with Adam Lambert. Um, D. Snyder, really? D. Snyder has a new oh. track out. Uh, and a lot of new bands, are, are, a lot of these bands are starting to put out new music. Um, I've seen uh, Slayer has new songs out. Megadeth is working on a new album. Does Vertebrae is Vertebrae working on new material? Yeah, yeah. Th- honestly, like we had been, we had been trying to get a follow up together uh, since 2015. Honestly, since um, it, you know when we did the the thing with Brett, it was great because we were able to knock it out really quickly, but. You know, these things get expensive, especially if you want like really good production and uh, and that sort of thing. So we just we kind of wanted to take our time working on this second record. And, um, you know, and, and we did that at, at at a studio in Melbourne called The Zone with a guy named Mark Brazel, who is a great engineer. Um, but, you know, we kind of took our time and then, you know, and then there were some issues right up around the time where guys started to leave. And so, like, you know, we, we have it. Like we have six songs all together that are pretty much done that we had been playing live for years. So like people who'd come to see us like have heard these songs a bunch of times, but we had never really put them on a record. And um, and you know right now um, you know the songs are pretty much done. I, I'm just having them mixed. I, I have a friend of mine who's working on it and helping out. And it's just unfortunately because like a lot a lot of guys you know had left the band you know, now, now it's just become more expensive kind of for me to put together being sort of like the last original guy left, um, who, who played on, on there. So, but I mean, you know, we do have those six songs and they're being mixed. And I I think one of them at least is like very close to being done. So I might just put it out as like a standalone single and then slowly put out singles of the songs from those sessions. And, you know, me and, and the new lineup had just have just been starting to write together as well. So, I mean, it's almost like sort of a Chinese democracy situation where it's like, I've been saying for years that this thing is coming out and it's not coming out. And the longer it goes, the more anxious I get. And the, the worse I feel it kind of makes us look, you know, by not putting it out, but you know, I'm still proud of those songs and, and one way or another, I'm, I'm going to put, put them out, you know, one of these days. Well, whenever Vertebraker does release some new music, you know, you definitely have a spot here on Motley Metal to promote it, and we'll play the songs, no problem. I'm a fan of Vertebraker now. I'm a fan of Jack Connor. So again, oh, you guys you, are always welcome here on Motley, Motley Metal. Now let's talk some wrestling. Yes, all right, good brother. Were you always a fan? Pretty much as long as I can remember. Like, I can't... I, like I don't really remember the first time I watched wrestling. I think it, it, it might have been I might have gotten into it like around six years old, like from um, you know like from my cousin who who watched it a lot. And um, but I don't remember like a, a first. It's it just it's one of those things that's always seemed to be around for me. I mean I just grew up idolizing Hulk Hogan, and then um, and, and you know there there was a there were a couple years there like between ninety four and ninety nine where I, I, I kind of took a break from it from like ages 10 to 15 and then 
then like in 15 uh, at age 15 and 99 that's when i started getting getting back into it and that was right during the attitude era so i missed out on a lot of good stuff but i mean i've been able to go back and catch up on it and yeah i mean i i still watch it and i still enjoy it and um you know, I've never been much of a sports guy necessarily. I've never been the most athletic kid, but I always did karate and stuff growing up. I, I always did Taekwondo. Um, so it's like, I, I, I always liked sort of the combination of, you know, athletics and creativity that, that went involved in it. And it's one of those things where, you know, there was a stretch there where I thought about maybe, I, maybe I should learn how to wrestle. Maybe I should go into it, you know, but I mean, it wasn't something I ever wanted to pursue as a career. And, uh, and certainly now, now that I'm 36, I know I've kind of missed my window. <laughs> well, you never know, man. Look at Batista was in his forties when he actually, uh, got signed to WWE. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know about that. About that's always, that. the, I mean, I, that's I've always got, the got, example that everyone I mean, always brings I've to got, me. Oh, look, Batista was 40. And I'm like, I mean, Batista's a freak. He's a... <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I looked like Dave Batista, then maybe, but I certainly don't. But, and, uh, considering that, like my back hurts if I sleep the wrong way right now. So it's I probably, I probably shouldn't be taking bumps. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Hulk Hogan. Who were some of your other favorite wrestlers? Oh man. Um, well, certainly by the, by the time I got old enough, you know, to, uh, learn about Steve Austin and the rock. And, um, I, I did like Bret Hart a little bit as a kid. I wasn't like a super diehard Bret Hart guy. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, let's see Austin and rock. I mean, once I, once I discovered Jericho, he was my guy. Um, the Hardy boys, especially are, um, I'm just huge marks for the Hardy boys. Um, they're, they're incredible. I love just their whole style, the way they dressed. It's been such an influence on me. Sting certainly is like Sting's amazing. Uh, um, yeah, a, a lot of those guys. I love Daniel Bryan. I loved CM Punk when, when he was in WWE, and um, yeah, th- those those guys have been some of my favorites. Now, what promotions or wrestlers do you currently keep an eye on? I mean, I, I watch uh, I watch WWE, uh, you know, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. I, I love AEW right now. AEW is great. Uh, I'll check it. I'll check out Impact uh, every now and then. I, I still kind of follow what's going on there. I, I really liked what NWA Power was doing before they kind of shut down, and um, I hope that they find a way to get back on their feet. I, uh, you know, I I, I don't know what's going to happen because of COVID. They might. I've heard rumors that they might shut down. I I, I hope they don't because I really liked what they brought. Yeah, I was actually hearing some uh, some rumors. Like, I don't like to pay too uh, pay too much attention to you know what's going on online, but you know with the recent things that have come out about uh, a certain producer there, and I'm not going to get into that because that's what not Mo- that's not what Motley Metal is about. But sure, um, sure. Uh, I read that they they were thinking about just uh, closing up shop. You know, at this point with uh, COVID, if um, yeah. You know, messing up with business, you know, it, you can't run shows. It's hard to keep producing television when you're not making any money. And then with the recent allegations, I mean, they are in a, yeah. in a tough spot. I, I was liking what they were doing because um, I'm not the biggest fan of old school wrestling, but yeah. it was an alternative to everything. Kind of like when everything is new school, you kind of want to see that old school thing now, you know? Yeah, it was just such a unique presentation, something that hadn't really been on TV in so long. And and such, I mean, definitely a throwback, but like like the sets looked older, but you'd have, you know, modern day guys in there like Colt Cabana and Mr. Uh, Eddie Anderson. Kingston. And, I mean, yeah. it, 
it, it had that and old that school just, feel, but with like, and it's the like promos too, Chris. The promos were just fantastic. Exactly, and they're giving that those guys that that actual promo time. That old, and I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep saying that old school promo time. It's that time yeah. to build your matches, build yourself up. Um, they have I mean, guys that, that would that, fit that would have if you thought. If you thought if this was the '80s, who would fit? You have guys like Eddie Kingston who would fit yeah, there. Um, I love the question mark gimmick. I mean, that's so <laughs> yeah. old school and carny, you know. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> but yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous, and Aaron Rex fits in perfectly there. I've always liked him. Um, yeah, and that's like one of the reasons why. And and no disrespect to those guys, uh, but that's why like i i couldn't always get into ring of honor and even the new japan stuff i mean nothing against those athletes they're they're amazing but like you know like in ring stuff is great but like i i really always responded to characters and and to, and to stories and, and and promo work and i feel like that's the connection and i mean having that in addition like great matches are great matches but it's like if i don't know anything about these guys it's just you know I, I almost liken it to music. It's, um, you know, I love progressive bands, but like if you're playing like a 15 minute guitar solo, like it, it loses its effect after a while. Mm-hmm. It's a, all right. Now we want something different. And that's why I love about the state of wrestling right now is yeah. there is something for everybody. You may not yeah, like AEW because of all the stuff that they're doing and it's more in ring style. So you can watch WWE. If you don't like WWE, you can watch impact or, or power. There's an alternative yeah. to everything now. It's great. And and yeah, I mean, wrestling isn't like as as huge, like across the board as it was in like the Attitude Era. But it's still, like you said, there there's that variety there. And I think that's really, really cool. And it's great to have more got more places for like guys like yourself to work. Yep. And uh, as I stated before, you do work for Generation Championship Wrestling. How did you get involved with GCW? Well, uh, the promoter and the lead guy behind it is a guy named Jeremy Gomez. And Jeremy was uh, Jeremy was a, a guy I knew from playing in bands in Florida over the years. He used to sing in bands. He was in a friend of mine's band for a long time, and we had kind of kept in touch, you know, over the years. And we found out that he was a wrestling fan. And then later on, um, he had he had booked Vertebraker for like a big food truck festival uh, that that he was doing. And, and it, I mean, the, the 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 gig ended up kind of falling apart. But I found out that he was putting his own wrestling company together. And I was like, hey, man, like, I'm a huge fan of this. Like, is there anything I can do to help? Like, if you know, if you want me want us to like play someone out to the ring or like, keep time, he's like, hey, well, you know, maybe you could go go there and like and like play um, and work like the sound system and work the music there and and ring the bell. And so I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. I kind of get to be part of the show. I mean, look, I'm not, you know, like, like I said, I'm in my 30s now. So it's like I'm probably not going to start getting in there and wrestling, but at least I can kind of be part of the show and contribute to something. And then then it grew into it was like, hey, do you mind if I do like interviews? Like, could I try that? And he said, yeah. And then that led into me doing commentary, which which was really fun. And so I've been able to do you know, to help out here and there with GCW, with getting uh, this promotion off the ground, which I, and getting to meet, uh, I mean, not, not that I've gotten to meet a ton of the wrestlers, but I mean, a few of them I've gotten to, to get to know a little bit. And, um, and it's been, and it's been a lot of fun. And I think it's a really cool thing. And, you know, certainly, you know, before COVID hit and, and, you know, and GCW is like, is like any other, 
any other smaller organization that's been impacted by COVID. And, you know, I, I, I believe in what he's doing and I, and I think he'll find a way to bounce back. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been fun, you know, kind of being involved with the show. I know the last couple shows we did, uh, he had kind of moved me off a of commentary and just wanted me to do just like post pre and post match interviews, which is cool. But I mean, I, I kind of like doing the commentary best because <laughs> I get to really like tell the story. And, and, you know, like I said, having a background in, in martial arts and, and, um, and having like done a few tournaments and like, I know what it's like to kind of be in a fight or, or to like, you know, to be, to be knocked out or choked out or, or, you know, to be hit or, or, or to hit back. And so not that I was ever a wrestler necessarily, but like, at least I, I can sort of apply that knowledge to what's going on in the ring and hopefully tell a cool story along the way. Yeah, and that's actually, I, I know Jeremy, obviously, I do the graphics and the, I would do the uh, videos for him. I noticed he's the he's one of the guys that's like, okay, if you want to try something out your comfort zone or you want to try something new to help out, he's like, he's kind of like, yeah, go ahead, go for it, try it out, why not? Like, originally, I was just doing graphics for him. Um, sure. And from what I thought, it was going to be a one-and-done show, like uh, Jay Rios, I know him, yeah. through, he came out here to New York to work for my trainer. And I had met him through there, and I had done a few shirt designs for him. And when he told me this was happening, I thought it was just going to – it was for the uh, the Cannabis Festival, the, the first show. Yeah. And I thought it was kind of going to be a, a one-and-done thing. And then uh, he's like, hey, we, we need another one and another one. So I started doing the flyer work for him. Um, and then he he was talking to me uh, – Jeremy was talking to me about – doing the the nothing else on tv shows and getting linking up with them and i said i mean i have a background in, in video producing and i've done it yeah. for other wrestling companies do you mind if i you know try my hand and he's like hey whatever you can come up with here try it out here's the footage so it's kind of like i like that freedom of where you're not afraid where you don't have to be afraid of saying hey can i do this yeah you know without feeling like you're walking on eggshells or, or stepping over someone's toes you know it's like Hey, if if you have the time and you can do it, go ahead, do it. You know, more help the merrier. Yeah, and it was that was another cool thing that you know the the TV show that we kind of had on nothing on nothing else on TV. He he kind of gave me that that hosting spot where I was able to like kind of film some wraparound segments and kind of present each each of the matches. That was really cool, and that's another just sort of credit I can put on my resume, and, and that's been such a cool experience as well. So and I think I I think I might have even gotten like a producer credit for it. I, I don't even know. But like either way, it was still really cool to be a part of that. Yeah, I remember talking to you about doing the uh, how we were setting up the show and everything. And with you being in Florida, me being in producing from New York, everything had to be done online. So I remember hitting you up for the videos and the uh, yeah. this week in wrestling history. I mean, we had yeah. some really cool segments. Yeah, yeah, we were trying a few things and, and I was you know, luckily I was able to kind of duck out, uh, you know, when I was, when I was working, you know, um, for my job at the time, I was able to just kind of duck into a conference room and just film some <laughs> stuff on my phone real quick. So that was a lot of fun. Now I hear their next event, Indiana invasion will be a two day event on Saturday, August 22nd and Sunday, August 23rd at the Washington township parks and recreation center in Avon, Indiana. Give us a rundown of what'll be happening at that show. Well, to be honest, Chris, I you know I, I'm I'm not a part of that show, but uh, but I I just I think it's great that they're running shows again, and uh, you know in, in any capacity. Um, to be honest, I don't really know much more about it than you do, 
but I know that they have run shows outside of Florida before. There was one in Detroit, Michigan that they did. Um, I believe there was one either in the New York or New Jersey area that they that they did at one point. I'm not sure, but um, you know they, they certainly have a lot of great talent, and um, and, and so I, I'm I'm very happy that that they're that they're doing this. Uh, you know, a lot of that started uh, as people may or may not know is that jeremy started in the food truck business and and promoting events that way and you kind of segued that into into pro wrestling so they've done a lot of these festivals that jeremy has organized before and had gcw as an attraction there um outside of florida like i mentioned so um you know i'm I'm really psyched for uh for them to be up and running shows again um you know like i said i'm not i'm not going to be there for it so I don't really know too much about the lineup at this point, but uh, I, I'm sure if you go to GCW's social media, you'll be able to get all the details there. Yeah, and that's one thing I do like about GCW. I do hope to work for them as a talent once we're you know able to you know get things settled. I know it's you know I'm the type of person that um, I'm not going to sit there and charge you a huge amount of money. You know I know my own worth and I know what I'm worth to you. You know um, I always try to be fair and everything, but it also has to you know work out. And I was actually trying. Hoping to work, you know, the um, WrestleMania weekend shows, but you know, again, with, yeah, with everything yeah, happening, that, it's you know, it's I know, hard I know. to that, do. That, that would have been so cool, especially because the, the the promotion is based out of the Tampa Bay area, and with WrestleMania this year, which was supposed to be in Tampa, you know, we had a lot of cool things planned. We had, uh, I think, we had um, uh, Kevin Kylie, you know, the former Alex Riley. Oh, Alex Riley, you had um, Psychosis, yeah. Damian Six Six Six, Tajiri. Yes, yeah, so we had some pretty big names coming in, and uh, and so that that was going to be a really fun thing. There was going to be a music thing where you know my band was going to where my band was going to play there, and a couple other bands there as well. Uh, one of my uh, occasional commentary partners is is a rapper by the name of Montezzi. And he do, he's done a lot of really great um, wrestling themes over the years. In fact, he currently um, currently he's done the, the theme music for Sammy Guevara in, in AEW. So, like you know, the Sammy Guevara's theme song is was something that Montezzi did, and he's become a really good friend of mine. And he was going to perform there as well. So you know, it, it's just, and again, that's a shame. We had a lot of really cool stuff planned for it, but um, you know, and. and who knows? Maybe, maybe in a year or two, maybe WWE might want to do WrestleMania in Tampa again, just sort of as a make good. I'm hoping eventually they do something like that, so we can have those, you know, an event like that to sort of piggyback off it. Yeah, man. Uh, I I was looking forward to WrestleMania. I mean, WrestleMania weekend has become such a big part of the wrestling community now, where it's wherever WrestleMania goes. You know, it's kind of all these companies travel it becomes bigger than wrestlemania but one absolutely. thing absolutely it's it, the entire like the wrestling world sort of converges wherever wrestlemania is and you know you know regardless if you're a wwe fan or not you can't deny that that's that's a huge opportunity it, it is and speaking of opportunity one thing i wanted to touch on is the talent that's in gcw um i've been noticing lately that you, i've seen them on wwe tv i've seen them on impact i've seen them on aew yeah. So that that little Florida talent pool you guys have down there, they're starting to make way, and it really shows a sense to um, GCW's booking style that these because these guys were being were part of GCW's rosters before, you know, uh, these guys were getting signed, and before AEW came around, you know, these these guys were working for GCW, 
And now this, to see them on TV and even as a graphic designer and uh, the video guy that was for GCW, it kind of makes me smile like, man, to see that's G to me. It's like, oh, that's GCW yeah. talent. You know, it's it's pretty awesome to see that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so cool to see uh, people who have come through uh, GCW end up going on to these big opportunities. It's kind of like, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like being in a band and playing in the clubs and seeing and seeing like a band that you're familiar with or friendly with get signed. You're like, you know, you're, you're just super happy for them. And, and, it, and it and it helps GCW because it puts more of a shine on them. Be like, hey, here's where you could see the stars before they were stars. And I, I remember uh, I remember on commentary telling a story about how I would go to local wrestling shows in Tampa and St. Pete. And I, re- I remember seeing this one young guy by the name of AJ styles perform there. It's like, man, whatever happened to him? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all, we all got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Guys like him and like Roderick strong, I would see, you know, when no, they those were, full when they impact pro those full impact shows, I think full impact pro, I believe they were heavy in Florida. Sure. Yeah. And, and so that's the cool thing about it. And, um, and yeah, I just, I, I, I wish, uh, you know, I, I wish more, uh, up and coming rock bands were able to kind of break into, into their, their field right now, but I'm glad that at least wrestling is doing well. Yeah, man. And, uh, I want to thank you again for uh, coming on here and shooting the shit with me and allowing us to hear your story and the story of Vertebraker. It was a complete honor and pleasure. And, uh, I hope we could do it again sometime. Uh, uh I, I- Absolutely, Chris. I feel like we could talk for five hours about stuff. Like, you know, just, uh, just there's just so much to talk about. But I really appreciate you having me be on your show. And uh, I would love to have you on my podcast, which is The Phoenix Report with Jack Connor. Uh, check us out. We're on YouTube right now, but I'm trying to get on iTunes eventually. That's my podcast. So I'd love to have you on mine as well. Anytime, man. You know how to contact me. Uh, where can we find Vertebraker online? Uh, the best way to get uh, get us is uh, facebook.com slash vertebreakerband. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at vertebreakerfl, on uh, Reverb Nation at reverbnation.com slash vertebreaker. Uh, we're on, you know, we're on Apple Music, uh, which I guess is iTunes right now. Yeah. Um, ba- basically, uh, Spotify, basically anywhere, um, anywhere mu- uh, you get your music, anywhere you stream, our, our first EP is on there. So, um, and we're on YouTube as well. Up next, we have a track from Vertebraker. But before I let you go, Jack, why don't you introduce it for us? Hey, everybody, this is Jack Connor from Vertebraker, and you are listening to our song called In the Name, only here on Motley Metal.
I want to thank each and every one of you for joining me today from Motley Metal, and I hope you join me next week for another edition of Motley Metal. Now I'm going to close out this show with a little bit of saliva. It's always, and as always, be excellent to each other, and take care. Shaking in my hands And all I hear is the 